to Faith on Fire, the broadcast that encourages believers to ignite the power of faith in their lives. Join us now as Pastor Vince Haney and Pastor Richard Hoyt Jr. bring the Word of God to fuel your faith. Welcome to another edition of Faith on Fire. I am Pastor Richard Hoyt Jr. from the Community Church of God. And I am Pastor Vince Haney from Rama Word of Faith, the Word Church. We continue with perseverance today. Yes, we've been speaking all this month on uh, the keys of the kingdom. Jesus said that I give you the keys of the kingdom. And we've been referencing those keys as uh, the commands of God with promises, but keys also unlock things. So in order for us who are restored and redeemed back to the Lord, we have to use these keys to be successful in life. And, you know, you can't do your own thing or be wise in your own opinion. We have to lean to our Lord and Savior. And Lord means owner. So if the owner's given us a manual, get it, owner's manual. If he's given us an owner's manual, and I like to call the Bible the Christian's constitution. This is our constitution. So we have to abide by it. And uh, speaking of abiding by it, we've been speaking of those king, keys of the kingdom. And that first one we referenced was faith. How faith is impossible. Please, God. That's the like the master key. Another key we spoke of is love. Well, because without love, faith don't even work. And a lot of people don't really get that because God is love. Amen. And God said, you know, he's faith, too. So you got to use those two keys. Then we talked about that third key was that OF word nobody likes to use. Forgiveness. Yeah. And now the third uh, key to the kingdom, we, we references perseverance. Scripture talks a lot about perseverance. So we're going to speak on that uh, for the rest of this episode. But just before we go there, I just had two scriptures that came to mind, just so the listeners won't think we're just making all of this up and you can just do the commands of God are optional. A lot of Christians believe, well, I could just do this. And no, God says, you're in my house now. You're in my kingdom. And we do the things this way. Well, see, and even if we don't consciously say I can do my own thing, a lot of times we end up Subconsciously. doing it. Yeah, thing. yeah, we do. And so you have to always be mindful. The scripture says, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. So you have to always do a self-examination. Am I, am I in, in compliance or am I doing my own thing? Because that's called deception when you think you're doing in compliance, but you're really doing your own thing. But look what Jesus said here in Matthew Chapter 7, verse 24, he says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man or a woman who built his or her house on the rock. And when the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, it did not fall, but it was founded on a rock. Verse 26, But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man or woman who built their house on the sand. 
and the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was the fall. So God's desire is not to allow us to fall. He wants us to, to stay upright. In order, But in order to do that, we have to be what this next scripture reference over in James. We got to do the word. Look what he tells us in James chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore, lay us outside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, wickedness and receive with meekness the engrafted or the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man or woman he was or what they look like. Verse 25. But he or she who looks into the perfect law of liberty, which is the word of God, and continues in it. Oh, that's the key right there. Looks at the word, but he continues in it. And is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word or the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. That's where God wants us. He doesn't want us to just hear the word. And I hear Christians all the time. Oh, I heard that. Yeah, I heard about forgiveness. I heard about perseverance. Well, why aren't you doing it? Because that's where you're going to get blessed at as you're doing it, as you're applying the keys or the principles of the kingdom. That's what's going to get you blessed. Knowing them and not doing them. Get you nowhere. It's just like I always use the reference. Somebody can starve in the middle of a grocery store. They can say, oh, I believe if I eat, I'll sustain myself. Well, in the middle of the grocery store, if you believe that and don't act on it, you'll sit right in the middle of the grocery store and starve to death if you don't do what you claim you believe. Well, you know, we talk about the keys of the kingdom. Almost everybody I know has got a fistful of keys in their pocket. And those keys unlock things. Those keys open things. So I can have the key to my house. And if I don't use the key, I'm going to have to stay outside. Right. I can have the, giving you the key. Right. Dummy, use it. <laughs> right. I mean, if you said, here's a key to my car, and I just walk out and stand by your car, and I never use the key to get in, what good was the key? And so God has given us these keys. We need to use them. Right. He's given them to us in his word. And here's the thing. It says in Ephesians 4, concerning ministry and sheep, he said, I gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Verse 12 says, why? For the equipping of the saints. So at Sunday services or midweek Bible studies, you're getting equipped with some keys. But you better use those keys right, in, you, in your own study time. You're see, still getting equipped with and some you, keys. You can go to a good Bible-believing church and not use any of it. You can read your Bible every day and not use any of it. We, right. we talked yesterday, and, and I was thinking about this because almost right after we got off the air, I was talking to somebody, and we were talking about, yes, I know that, but. And I was talking to this person, and they were talking about some things going on in their life. And I said, God says that he will give you peace. He says that he is sufficient, that if you give everything to him in prayer and thanksgiving, then the peace of that passes all understanding will be yours. And they said, yes, but. And we were talking yesterday on the air about yes, but. There are so many Christians who know what God says. They've heard what God says. They've read what God says. And they most of the time believe what God says until some circumstance happens in their life that causes them to wonder if it will happen this time. So, yes, I believe God is sufficient, but this is really bad. Yes, I believe God can help my me financially, but this is a really big bill. 
And so all of a sudden, it's, yes, God is there. Yes, God can do these things. But this is big. And so, you know, you, I, I liken it kind of back to David and Goliath. David just saw God. He says, the God who saved me from the bear and the lion, who delivered me from the bear and the lion, can deliver me from this Philistine. The other Israelites. Confidence. He had confidence. Well, the other Israelites, I think we're looking at at Goliath, and he's big. He's a big boy. And they're looking at him like, yes, God's with us, but this guy's really big. Well, they, they saw Goliath or their problem bigger than their God. And you can't ever do that. You better see God bigger than your problem. So when whatever it is in our life, when we say, yes, I know that God is able, but what we're really seeing is and saying, even if it's subconsciously, is that this problem's bigger than God. No, 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 no. No problem is bigger than God. I have a scripture that relates to that. While we're here in James, and this is our focal scripture from the beginning of this week, James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy... When you fall into various trials, temptations, or tests, knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance or endurance or patience, but let perseverance, patience, have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. We stop right there. But look at the next verse. The next verse speaks of that but. He says, if any one of you lacks wisdom, or lacks anything, let him ask of God who gives liberally to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Oh, he said a but too. Look at verse 6 says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. That's what a lot of people do. They ask God something, but they come doubting. Oh, I wonder if God really could do this. You you can't come to God wondering, oh God, can you handle this problem? And he's like, I remember in Numbers, he says, is there anything too big for God? He says, but let him act in faith without doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let that man not suppose that he will receive anything for the Lord. But he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. He's saying, like, remember, when you come to God, you better believe that he is the answer to your problem. And that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You got to come with that type of confidence. So when God tells you to do something, like persevere, go ahead and do it. Don't try to, okay, how am I going to pull this off? And a lot of people be saying, well, I can't do that. And I told somebody the other day, God will not tell you to do something you can't do. That he won't give you the ability. To. Right. That's what he's going to do. He's going to call you, and then he's going to give you the ability. Richard, go and forgive somebody. And your response is, I can't do that. He's like, I thought you could do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Right. See, he'll give you the ability to forgive. Right. When we get born again, we now have the ability to to use God's ability to do what he commanded us to do. Right. He doesn't just tell us to go do something. You're on your own. Do it as best you can. That's what he gives us the Holy Spirit for. Let's push you out in the water. Go swim. No, I, I didn't teach you. Well, ooh, back to teaching. He gave some to be pastors, teachers. Well, you're, if you're being trained in this, it's like in the military. They don't send, what's those SEALs? They don't send them in the hostile territory without training them for it. First day they get there and sign up, okay, you're going over here. No, <laughs> they train you up first, and then we send you out. Well, we're getting trained in the Word. We're getting trained. I, I, I've been thinking about this lady. There's a big identity crisis in the body of Christ. We don't really know who we are. But once you find out, we forgot who we were. Yeah, yeah. Ken Wynn wrote a book, Remember Who You Are. You better always remember who you are in Christ Jesus, not in your own flesh, but in Christ Jesus. And in him, you can do all things. You can do 
what seems to be impossible. Because with God, all things are possible. And we just always have to remember, that's why I'm going to give a plug for studying the Word. We was at a, an event today, Successful Thinkers. They talked about readers. You got to read the Word. If you, yeah, it's okay to read other books, but get the truth, though. Get the truth of God's Word in your spirit. Allow that to grow up in you and transform your mind. You'll start thinking different. You'll start talking different. I tell people all the time, if you've been hanging out with Jesus, you're going to start talking like Jesus, smelling like Jesus, walking like Jesus. And you're going to, the Bible says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Jesus employed perseverance too. He had to, to sit up on that cross. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Consider it pure joy, my friends, when you suffer trials of many kinds. The clear implication there is you're going to suffer trials. He doesn't say if you suffer trials, if you ever suffer a trial, if by some weird way a trial shows up. He says, consider it pure joy when you suffer trials. The clear implication there is you will suffer trials. We will all suffer trials. There are people listening to this show right now that are going through trials. Illness in their family, illness in themselves, things that are going on in their life that they never planned to go on in their life. I've I've talked to more people in the last five years who were retired, who had to go back to work, or who wanted to retire but weren't able to because of the situation with the economy. Things happened to them in their life that they weren't expecting to happen, a trial. Tell me about it. So what do we do? We consider it pure joy. The reason why we can consider these trials that happen to us to be pure joy is because God's using them to perfect us, to make us complete, to make us lacking in nothing, to develop our perseverance. So when these things happen, they're not a bad thing. We can rejoice because this isn't a bad thing that just happened to me, even though it looks bad. We can rejoice because God is going to use this to develop my perseverance. He's going to use this to make me complete. He's going to make this so that I'm lacking in nothing, so that this thing that's happened to me has happened for me, as we talked about yesterday, that I am now, God's going to use it for good in my life. Amen. And the scripture talks about in Colossians, it says, be filled with the knowledge of the Lord's will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Again, another shout out to being a student of the scripture. If you, as you study the word, it's going to be revealed to you that you're going to have an evil day. Trials and tribulations are going to come. But here's what God wants to do with us. A good soldier is, again, prepared for that day. And I'm reminded, as you were speaking of, of the virgins, that some of them, I don't know exactly how many was, but some was prepared and some wasn't. But that was a lot of revelation in there telling us to always be prepared. And now, as you were speaking, I was reminded of his scripture in Ephesians chapter 6, where he talks about the whole armor of God. He says in 610, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wows of the devil. Oh, he's going to bring some wows. Oh, I thought the devil gave up on us when we no, became no, a no, Christian. No, 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 no. No, he, he intensifies when you became <laughs> a Christian. But I'm going to drop down to the scripture right quick. Verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. So you're going to get an evil day. He just warns you right here. And then he told you, he said, I'm going to give you some armor that you may be able to withstand. So I want you to put all that armor on like a good soldier. Put that helmet of salvation on, that breastplate of righteousness, wrap that truth, that belt of truth around your waist, get that shield of faith, 
and, and get that word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. You need to have these. I'm speaking to some Christians. They didn't even know what none of the armor was. If you're a soldier or you're a police officer, you better know what type of weapons you got against the enemy. And a lot of Christians don't understand that. And again, what's included in those weapons is perseverance. You have to be able to persevere a storm. When a storm comes, you got to learn how you got to know how to hunker down. <laughs> well, see, God gives us these keys to the kingdom because he wants us to literally be conformed to the likeness of Christ. Right. He wants us to be renewed by the transforming of our mind mm-hmm. or transformed by, by the, the renewing. renewing of our mind. He wants those things in our life. The old us is no more. He wants us to be renewed. He wants us to be transformed. He wants us to be conformed to the likeness of his son. We as Christians will often use the excuse, well, nobody's perfect. Everybody does things they shouldn't do. Is anybody perfect? No. We're not perfect yet. Is God still working on us? Yes. And we got grace for that. But don't use that as an excuse to keep doing what you're doing. So many people I know, even believers, when they're caught in sin or they realize it, have an excuse, well, I'm just not perfect yet. God's not done working with me yet. Are those things true? Yes, they're true. But don't let them become your excuse for continuing in what you were doing. Uh We've got to come back as we look at this scripture again, to the realization that when trials come to our life, God is using them to build us up. He's using them to cause us to persevere, to learn to persevere, to make us complete, to make us so we're not lacking in anything. And so in that, we can always rejoice. The Christian life, as we said before, is not a sprint. It is a marathon. And God wants to give us the tools and the keys to live that life. We are not to hang on and wait for the end. I Nowhere in the scripture do I ever read anything that God wants us to tie uh, another knot in our rope and just hang on. Hang on to you. Jesus, I'm hanging on till you come back. Woo, it's, a it's a miserable I, life. I'm having terrible times. I'm just going <laughs> to hang on till you come. No, he says, I want to give you life and it more abundantly. Well, he says, I want to give you joy and peace and happiness and comfort and healing and all those. That's what he wants us to have. That's the life he wants us to lead, not a life of, oh, woe is me. I'm I'm hoping to make it to the end. Amen. And uh, as you were saying that, a couple things about you know us being Christ-like. I was reminded of the scripture in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says this, But we all, talking about us believers, us who have received Jesus as Lord and Savior, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Talking about us, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So God's desire is to us to look like Christ. Right, and he again, wants us to be conformed well, to yeah, the likeness yeah. of now, Christ. Now we just got his word on it. He says that same glory that we lost in the garden with Adam, God says, when you get saved, born again, that glory, you you can have that glory back. Now, you really can do all things through Christ who's created you. Again, it's about my renewal, too. You really can persevere. You can do this because I, I gave you my word and I told you to 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 employ this. I wouldn't tell you to do something you can't do. So, again, we have to persevere hard times. When financial hard times come on you, we was listening this morning. A young man say, and the scripture says, I think, I forgot who said that one of the psalms. I've been rich and I've been poor. But the speaker this morning was saying how he know he's been rich and he's been poor. 
but you got to know how to endure or persevere through the hard times. You can't go through the hard times complaining. The children of Israel in the wilderness, we see what they did and what they seen was a hard time. I think the harder time was being a slave. <laughs> they saw being in the wilderness is a hard time because they grumbled and complained and didn't want to persevere. Nothing. They just, oh, man, that was an example for us. Well, the Apostle Paul, he writes, I've known plenty and I've known want. I've been rich. I've been poor. I've been well I know how to abase and how I've, to abound. And so in all of those things, he said, I've learned the secret of contentment. And that is that he's, Christ is his, the hope of Jesus, Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's, that's how he's learned to have contentment. Well, and that's how you and I and everyone listening, it says we realize who we are. I love it when John writes, behold, what manner of love the Father has lavished on us that we are the children of God. And that's, he says, and that's what we are, See, and, the children of and God. And Paul summed it up when he said, I learned, I, I learned to be content in no matter what state I am. He said, I learned to abound and to base. And then he said this famous scripture that everybody loves to quote. But he said those two things first. I, I learned to be content and to abound and to base no matter what state I am. Then he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right. Yeah, but he said those other two things first. He said, well, the good times or bad times. See, the reason why he was content is because he knew he could do everything through Christ. Well, who he had the it peace of God. And it didn't matter if he was rich or poor or hungry or well-fed. When you got the peace of God, you can endure anything. Jesus said, this peace I give to you, not like the world gives to you. He said, this peace I'm going to give you is going to surpass all understanding. And people can take away your happiness. I tell people, you probably can take my happiness away for a minute, but this peace... You can't take it away. I'm peaceful. Can't do it. That's what real freedom is. Well, see, happiness, I see (laughs) happiness as like... An emotion. And it's got to do with our outside things, outside influences. Mm -hmm. So somebody comes to your door and they've got really good news, you're happy. They come to your door, you got they got really bad news, you're sad. But joy and peace come from inside as a gift from God. That's why he said count it all joy. So that we can be faced with bad news. Sometimes, this is what people understand. Sometimes you go to the doctor and you get bad news. Yeah, a lot of times. But God can still give us peace and still give us comfort and still give us hope and still Mm -hmm. give us joy even in the face of that bad news. And so the things of God, the gifts of the Holy Spirit— are not things that come and go. Those are things that he gives us on a permanent basis. Even in the face of bad news, you can have joy. Even in the face of bad news, you can have peace. You can have calm. You can have comfort. You can have these things because they come as a gift from God, as you said earlier, not like a man gives where they come and go or I can take them away. He gives them to us permanently. Well, Jesus said in John, I think it's 17, he says that you'll, Joy may be full and just continue. And again, the scripture says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So we're strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. That same power that raised Christ from the dead that lives inside of us, that Holy Spirit, that's our, that's a, a source of our joy. So you can have joy. And if you don't have any joy as a Christian, I don't know about you, man. I ain't. Yeah, we well, see. That's joy. one of the things he wants to get. That's what the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Right. But the Holy one Spirit is jo- alive in us. The, one of the fruits it says that in Romans is joy. Joy. Right. Right. We will right, have right. joy. We will have peace. We will have those things as the fruit of the Spirit. Sometimes, as Christians, we forget what it is that God has given us. He says, "Today is the day of the that the Lord has made. 
I will rejoice and be glad in it. Why? Because God's made it. And whatever happens to me today, he's going to use to complete me. He's going to use to develop my perseverance. He's going to use to make me the person that he wants me to be. And so I can look at those things and I can rejoice because God is using them for my good. And we sometimes forget that. We sometimes think that that these things that are outside that are happening to us, why did God do this to me? Why did God allow this? We need to turn that around and realize I need to rejoice in this. Rejoice in everything. Look what it says in Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Remember, we're in the kingdom, and Jesus said, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Look what he said, what Paul referenced about the kingdom in Romans chapter 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's good news. See, you got to have joy. Well, you get that with the kingdom. Joy comes with the kingdom. It comes through the Holy Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It'd be just like if you go to heaven, because remember, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. You go to heaven, you think they're up there mourning and sad? No, ain't nothing but joy there. And God wants that same will to be done here on earth as it's done in heaven. So he gives us that. He said, I'm going to give you some joy, and your joy is going to remain. He says, when you go out witnessing, go out with joy. Yeah. That's your when strength. you're at work, go with joy. Go with joy. Don't be. When you're at the oh, grocery store, to go, to go with joy. I hate to go some Christians. Oh, I hate to go to this job. Ain't no other Christians there. Well, if you leave, they're going to be in total darkness. Well, that plus the fact that maybe God put you there because you're the only Christian well, there and well, you're supposed to shine your light. I guess the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Yeah, that's your harvest field. You see, if you got a revelation, you'll see it like that. You won't see it like, oh, I got to go to this old awful yeah, I'm job. I'm the only Christian. I'm the only Christian there. You well, know, let your light that, so shine. That reminds me of a story I heard years and years ago. This, this shoe company sent two different guys to Africa. And this is like 50 years ago. And one of them telegraphs back, I'm coming back. No sales here. No one wears shoes. The other guy telegraphs back, we need to send more people, sales everywhere. No one has shoes. Right. <laughs> right. He saw the harvest plentiful. Right. And that's how we need to be as Christians. You can be Ooh, in that business good. and that's say, good preaching. That's I'm, good preaching the, there. I'm the only Christian here, so I should leave. No, no. I'm the only Christian here, so I better let my The harvest light is shine. plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. Yes. So that's a, we've, that's the way we've well, got to start to see you know how what? things are happening. And in our midweek Bible study, I've been talking about that. And we're going to talk about this. we got to get on perseverance some more. I talk about that in our midweek Bible study, that the harvest is plentiful. Uh, but right now, we're out of time, but we're definitely not out of word. And we just want to leave you with these words before we go. Keep walking by faith. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, we ask that you consider sending a love offering to Faith on Fire, P.O. Box 7508, Chico, California, 95927, which allows this broadcast to continue in your local area. Again, that's Faith on Fire, P.O. Box 7508, Chico, California, 95927. Please join us next time on this great station for more Faith on Fire.